many memories have come flooding back. I put this song on repeat, just crying my eyes out. It made me feel so bloody alive. This song really nails the feeling of nostalgia for a place. And we all just stopped talking and just stared at the radio. Like, what is that? It's part of the noble genre of songs by women about masturbation. I love it. I love that song so much. Meet people through their music with Ash Berdebez on FBI. Top of the morning to you. You are listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. And today on Out of the Box, Nori. Nori gleefully defies categorization. Nori is a social justice activist, anarchist, political cartoonist, and bubble bicyclist. Welcome on Out of the Box, Nori. Thanks, Ash. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was 2014, I interviewed you at your house. I turned up with a Zoom recorder, and you'd recently had a win in the courts. All right, yep. <laughs> now, can you tell people about that win in the courts that you had? What, what did the court find? Uh, the High Court of Australia decided that um, you, your sex can be something other than just male or female, and they determined that my sex in particular is non-specific. And so that was historical. That's yes. a landmark uh, finding. Quite, yes. So that makes you the first person in the world to be defined as neither by a court. By yes. a court. That's pretty cool. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> We've broken down the binary and hopefully that, that will give equality. Has anything changed for you since that court case? The, well, the media attention was uh, quite big at the time. I think I'm in Wikipedia now, so that's been fun. Um, yeah, and uh, then as a result of uh, being declared sex non-specific, uh, uh, my bestie and I thought we could try and challenge the marriage inequality um, by applying to get married. Um, and we've uh, just uh, got the first stage of getting our official rejection from birth, deaths and marriages, um, saying that someone who's sex non-specific can't get married, which seems to be at odds with the Sex Discrimination Act. Um, so I'll be talking to some activists and legal friends to see what action we can take. So that's why when you're saying, you know, it's it's not about gay marriage, it's about marriage equality. So marriage for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's no, people don't get gay married, they get married. We do have a little bit of Bowie coming our way, the late, the great David Bowie. And why did you want to choose a song, Fashion? Um, fashion is the song that I first really got what Bowie was about. I got a cynicism. Um, before that, I'd been taken in by the, the Ziggy Stardust persona and just thought, oh, this is bullshit. But of course, it was a, a fluffy caricature he was portraying. We weren't supposed to see it, think that was him. But um, I was too young and naive to work that out. I might have been 10 or 11 when Ziggy <laughs> was out. <laughs> but uh, fashion, I really got the cynicism of it and appreciated what he was trying to do in a subversive way. <laughs> Beep, beep. 
Out of the box on FBI 94.5. My name is Ash Bertabez and my guest today is Nori. And Nori is a social justice activist and many other things and a uh, rainbow mohawk wearer at the moment. You may see them around Sydney on a bike that just spews thousands of bubbles. So yeah, always, always manages to look good wherever Nori goes. Gee, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me look good on radio. (laughs) We did just hear from Bowie and I did see your bubbles the other night at the David Bowie tribute. How did you enjoy yourself? Oh, I had a great time at Tokyo Sing Song on Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And so what did you perform? Uh, fa- I did fashion. You did that fashion? Song. Yes, yes. Oh, there you go. And, and, and later on I saw the film clip on on uh, Rage and realised I'd pretty much done the same dance moves that he'd done without realising what he'd done. But logically we interpreted the song the same way. Interesting. <laughs> so I think it'd be interesting to talk about David Bowie because a lot of the songs that you picked today are by people who managed to actually step outside the gender binary a little bit, much like yourself. And David Bowie was kind of one of the first people in the very, very popular media to make androgyny kind of cool. When you were growing up in Perth and David Bowie was a thing, was androgyny cool? Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, androgyny wasn't cool. Uh, I think my, my brother t- tried to tell me about the plot to Rocky Horror Picture Show because he, he was slightly older than me, so he saw an R-rated movie before I did. And basically the gist of it, according to him, was cannibalism. What? <laughs> that is yes. so far from the yeah. truth. <laughs> no, there, there actually is cannibalism in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but that's not the, not, not the thing that <laughs> people remember, <laughs> most people, but people that really want to ignore all the cross-dressing and bisexuality <laughs> say, oh, somebody gets eaten in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like saying, I went to see a horror film, I swear. <laughs> that's really interesting. So can you tell me a little bit about what your life was like growing up in Perth? You had a, you had a big family, I hear. 
uh, four kids in our family, yeah. lots of dogs. Um, and growing up in Perth, uh, um, it was Perth. It's like a it's like a, a Western uh, suburb that doesn't realise it's a Western suburb. It thinks it's a it's a proper city. Um, the weather's lovely though, gorgeous beaches, yep. uh, but very monocultural. Everyone sounds the same and talks about the same things. Um, yeah, and if if you're a colourful, creative type in Perth, sooner or later you grow up and get out. Yeah. All right, so I guess I want to talk to you about like when you were growing up in Perth and you were quite androgynous. When did you start questioning your gender? Did you did you beat other people to it? Um, I, I didn't really think it was a big deal. I, when I was at university, I dressed as I felt comfortable. Um, so if I wanted to wear a big frilly girl's blouse with a flower in my hair and had long hair, I didn't think that it was any statement about gender. I was just being comfortable in a space where you were encouraged to be creative and it doesn't matter whether you conform to a particularly straight image or not um and occasionally I, I liked it when men stood up for me in buses when I had long hair and a flower <laughs> in my hair but I'm not tucking around I wasn't you know pre- disguising the fact that I was physically male um but, but you got a free seat so it was pretty sweet yeah, <laughs> I guess so um and then I was doing um drag shows and working in the public service uh, it was working in the public service I got the most disapproval for being androgynous um, which I was surprised at. I, I joined them because I thought they had policies against discrimination. So I thought they'd have to treat me equally because that's what their rules said. But of course, what the rules say and what people do are two different things. So what shape did that disapproval actually take? Um, when I, uh, It was a hot day and I went into work wearing a pair of shorts that weren't the official colours. The, the rule said if you're a man, you had to wear dark brown or dark blue or black shorts. They prescribed the colours. They had to be dark. There was no green allowed. And I thought, I didn't like that rule, so I wanted to wear something colourful. I thought, I'll wear the Australian flag. They can't complain about that. I looked f- f- forward to challenging them in court <laughs> to defending them. I defend them, my patriotism. Them opposing the Australian flag. <laughs> Uh, this was, uh, you know, 1980, way before the flag got ruined by the Cronulla w- Wallies. And in the days when no real Australian would be seen dead wearing a flag because we're Australian. <laughs> um, so the, the, the manager then decided to um, order me home or, or said I wasn't allowed to deal with the public that day and wrote it up as a disciplinary note and then kept a record of my personal presentation over the space of a few months. So like listing how, what you wore. Uh, listing what, what I wore, what colour my hair was, how short it was, um, saying that I'd, wha- I'd, I'd shaved my legs. I hadn't shaved them, I'd waxed them. They, they got lots of details wrong. They said I was wearing false eyelashes. I was wearing a bit of mascara. Um <laughs> <laughs> total gender police and I said what does this have to do with my work performance because the rules say whether you hire or fire me is all about my work performance nothing to do with how I look look how was how was your work performance and my work performance was satisfactory um, and the, the manager made the mistake of making of focusing on my presentation and my, my uh, odd appearance as he saw it I, and, uh, anarchistic androgyny um, and he got a real bee in his bonnet and he just assumed all the big wigs would agree with that I I obviously looked outrageous and couldn't be employed by the public service, but the bigwigs had to follow the actual rules. Ah, good. That's when they start looking <laughs> at the paper again. And in fact, um, when I won, I then got placed with personnel because they were the only section of the whole department that would take me, and it was their obligation to place me, and their bottom grade was a grade up from where I was, so I got a promotion and a transfer just by sticking to my principles and being a bit odd. Good on you. All right. <laughs> 
Well, let's jump into a, a song from your uni years. So Reg Livermore, is it Reg Livermore? Yeah, Reg Livermore co- right. covered this amazing song, um, which I think is by Marlene Dietrich or maybe her songwriter, but uh, it's a lovely song. I saw him performing this um, in a film from his performance. I was at the Undergraduate Society camp, we're a drama camp, and this thing got trotted out in an old old reel thing, you know, the old reel projector with the flickering noises. And it actually made the sounds. Yeah, yeah, oh. and my mind was blown by this performance, and it's, it's a number I've covered a couple of times since then. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5, What Makes a Man by Reg Livermore on your radio. My mum and I, we live alone and when the pavement is our home in their hometowns I have to keep me company to catch a dog parakeets some plants and flowers I help my mother with the chores I wash she dries I do the floors we work together I shop and cook and sew a bit though mom does too I must admit I do it better at night I work in a strange bar Impersonating every star I'm quite deceiving The customers come in with doubt And wonder what I'm all about But leave believing I do a very special show Where I am nude from head to toe After striptease Each night the men look so surprised I change my sex before their eyes Tell me if you can what makes a man A man Round three o'clock or so I meet with friends to have a bite to eat And conversation We talk and empty out our hearts On every subject from To liberation We love to pull apart someone Or spread some gossip just for fun Or start a rumor We let our hair down so to speak And mock ourselves with tongue in cheek And inside humor So many times we have to pay Having fun and being gay It's not amusing There's always those who spoil our games By finding fault, calling names Always accusing They draw attention to themselves At the expense of someone else It's so confusing Yet they make fun of how I talk And imitate the way I walk Tell me if you can what makes a man A man My masquerade comes to an end When I go home to bed again Alone and friendless I close my eyes and think of him And fantasize what might have been My dreams are endless 
love each other But it seems that love lives only in my dreams It's so unsighted But in this life I must confess The search for love and happiness is unrequited I ask myself, what have I got? What I am? What am I giving? But answers come from those who make the rules that some of us must break just to keep on living. I know my life is not a crime, I'm just a victim of my time. I stand defenseless. Nobody has the right to be the judge of what is right. For me, tell me if you can what makes a man song was by Red Livermore and it was bought on by my guest today who is Nori and Nori you've performed that one before you mentioned it's a great number yes Reg does it um, sitting in front of a dressing table um, as a, a drag queen slowly ch changing into their street clothes and um, I do it uh, standing up in a similar sort of way um, as a drag queen changing sex quite a few times before I leave dressed as man the song the lyrics of that song are kind of what makes a man a man and I guess conversely what makes a woman a woman because after you had kind of gone through, you know, drag and, and doing drag, you decided to undertake sex reassignment surgery. And why did you why did you decide what was the kind of like the forces in your life that made you go, you know what, like just dressing isn't enough? At uh, the time, I thought the binary was real, that people were really men or women. Uh, and I guess I was talking to transsexuals and their life narratives reflected my own and being discriminated against for being effeminate and not feeling at all comfortable doing stereotypically male things. Um, and I didn't then realise there was an option of doing a pick and match. Yeah. <laughs> I, st I still w was told by all the doctors and professionals that people are essentially male or essentially female. Everyone's got a core gender identity. Um, and so I was more comfortable doing female things. So um, I took hormones and had a sex change, as you do. <laughs> and then as a woman thought, well, hang on, why are there limits around what I'm allowed to do as a woman? And what does being a woman mean anyway? What makes a woman a woman? So I guess it's kind of weird to think that you've gone from being one to the other, tried both of them on and gone, did you, did you feel like, what have I done? Did you feel kind of like you've regretted it? No, no. Uh, a gender trap's a gender trap. Uh, and if you um, if you can see the bars of your prison, you're on the way to being free. Did you get more acceptance as a woman then, do you think? Um, uh, I guess so. It didn't get hassled so much for being effeminate. If you're effeminate and you're presenting as female, that's not censored so much as being effeminate and being presumed to be male. Um, and I didn't have much choice about being a bit effeminate. So our next song is by The Kinks and it's called Lola. So can you tell us about the time in your life that you heard this song? Um, I heard it growing up. Um, I didn't listen to the lyrics, didn't know what it was about until I was working in a bar in Sydney, the Harold Park Hotel. And I'm not sure if I'd had the surgery, was just about to have the surgery at the time. Uh, and then this song came on and I thought, 
they're having a go at me. Who's put this on? Because when you listen to the lyrics, it's it's not a straight song. It's a wonderful song. And then I realised, no, it's just a pop song that's been played for <laughs> since the 60s, probably. And there you were being paranoid, like, who's watching me? Who knows? You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI 94.5. My name's Ash Bertabez. My guest today is Nori. And here we go. It's the Kinks with Lola. <laughs> Just like cherry cola, C-O-L-A cola. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her her name and in a dark brown voice she said Lola. L-O-L-A Lola. Lola, Lola, Lola.
94.5, the show on your airwaves right now. is out of the box. My name's Ash Berdebez. My guest today is Nori. You just heard from the kinks, Lola. And why again did you want to bring that one on? Um, I'm not the world's most masculine man, but I know what I am. And I'm glad I'm a man and so is Lola. It's oh, a beautiful it's line. so ambiguous <laughs> and it's so empowering because it makes it okay for the, the person who's attracted to a transgender person to be fine about it and not have their gender called into question. This, this guy's a, a bloke and his mates think he's a bloke and he's in love with Lola. Isn't love grand? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, when you, when you were going through the period where you, you'd become a woman and then you decided that, no, this doesn't feel quite right either, did you start worrying about love? Did you ever start worrying like it might be difficult to find someone who gets me? Oh, well, I think uh, it's important for you to be yourself before you can find anyone else that's going to get you. Yeah, love if, yourself before you if, love if, others. Yeah, yeah. If, if I thought um, I've got more chances of finding a partner if I'm a stereotypical whatever, male or female, and then can conform to that, then I'm not really going to get accepted for who I am. I'd rather just be, be myself and find someone that likes that. And find a unicorn. Find a special unicorn. Quite. <laughs> When you were changing away from being female, you just decided to abandon that that trip that you were taking. Hormones are involved in that. In my experience, I've taken the pill before and it has messed with my hormones and it was like literally the worst of my life and my emotions were absolutely haywire. It was the worst. I can't imagine what it's like to change gender. <laughs> That's okay. I don't have to explain to you what it's like. You know what it's like <laughs> from what you just said. Um, being on hormones, yes, it's, it's, it's a very intense um, and it's like the worst that time of the month but every day. Yeah when you're taking hormone replacement therapy, I, I found it so. It's not that way for everyone. Lots of people are quite happy to take them, but I, I didn't like them. They, they had a strong effect on me. And um, I weaned my, I, I, first of all, I jumped off them and I was suicidal within three days and went to a doctor and they said, look, these things do have a strong effect. Wean yourself off them. So I went back on, I think I was on about six, I was on three tablets and I cut down by half a tablet a month. I had to be that gradual because they're that powerful. Wow. And so when you when you did jump off, did you know that that would be what happened? Did anyone give any advice that would that would let you know, would warn you? <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't talk about hormones very much, but they're so incredibly powerful. It's crazy. Well, um, as far as the doctors were concerned, uh, I, as a post-operative transsexual, should just be on hormones for the rest of their life and keep buying my stuff from their shop. Um, and I decided I didn't want to go along with that. Ah, uh, you didn't want to be a uh, lifetime customer. Right. But uh, I then I'd found that it was best to get medical advice in changing medication <laughs> uh, and went along with the advice to slowly wean myself off and uh, did so successfully. So Grace Jones is our next track and we've got Walking in the Rain coming up next. And when was it, when were you hearing Grace Jones? I heard Grace when I was working at Connections, a gay nightclub in Perth um, in the 80s. Uh, absolutely awesome, yeah. Kicking cans, looking at the billboard, oh so rad, summing up the people, checking out the race, doing what I'm doing. I 
like a woman Looking like a man Sounding like a no-no Making when I can Whistling in the darkness Shining in the light Coming to conclusion Right is night is time Walking, walking in the rain
Today is Nori for Out of the Box. And uh, why did you want to bring on that particular song? It's so confusing. (laughs) (laughs) And it celebrates confusion. Um, I think I heard it um, when I was identifying as androgynous and going off hormones and dancing around in hair and pants with a bindi on my shaved head, (laughs) being a eunuch. (laughs) And I really loved that the lyrics, they're so so positive about blending everything together. Yeah. Yeah. And always should be someone you really like. Absolutely. way to end all the confusion it's like well really does it matter if you like someone and why did they have to perform some sort of fetished idea of gender cool and when you were living in sydney at this time what were you doing in the day-to-day what were you doing for work and stuff um crumbs i was um working at the harold park hotel maybe um no i wasn't i was uh probably working the needle exchange in king's cross oh yeah that's <laughs> doing, really interesting doing, job. doing the midnight to dawn shift in a van parked outside um hungry jacks in king's cross and there was some um, club that used to close at midnight and all these big burly Pacific Islanders would get out and have a fight with another group of Pacific Islanders. Once we had to lock the ban up while bottles flew over. <laughs> so oh there was an adventurous times. <laughs> but on the other hand, that was in the days when Sunday holiday rates overnight was triple pay. 
What? <laughs> Best, weirdest job in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what was what was the needle exchange all about for people uh, who don't know? Uh, it was uh, providing um, harm reduction uh, for people that injected drugs. So we make sure they had clean fits and clean equipment um, and uh, plenty of condobs to use too so that they were going to be protected from, from diseases, whatever, whatever they were doing. When you were coming to Sydney in this kind of like 90s years, uh, you were saying before to me off air that the the LGBTQI community was still very much kind of into categorizations. The gay and lesbian lobby wasn't very inclusive. Yeah, back then it wasn't GLBTIQ, it was just GL. <laughs> no, sorry, LG, because it's been G for, for start for too long now. It's LG and nothing else. And it's like, well, look, you're using uh, transgender people to to be MCs and bring people along to fundraisers, using them to generate money, and then you're not saying that the cause is about them. Um, surely whatever rights gay and lesbian people want are also the same rights that bisexuals and transgender people want too, for example. Um, but the gay and lesbian rights lobby said, no, no, we're just about gay and lesbian rights. And so, well, if you're just after rights for a group of people, that's not rights, that's privileges. <laughs> you should be after equal rights and, and pretty much um, the, the same things that discriminate against transgender people and bisexual people, the same things that discriminate against gay and lesbian people. And, and what do gays have in common with lesbians that they don't have in common with bisexuals or transgender people, for goodness sake? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the lobby at the time disagreed um, and I was expelled from the board. Um, wow. And there was a big meeting called, and after the big meeting, they, they had a special resolution where I was allowed back into the lobby, and they resolved that they were just going to be for gay and lesbian rights, and they would never change. They passed a motion saying that they would never change in the future, which That's is so a totally absurd thing to do. I promise I will always love you. That's the opposite of progressive. That is like saying, yeah, I will not change my view to reflect new information that comes and, out. And I know that I will never, ever change into the future until the end of time. That's so bizarre. And has that actually come to pass? Nothing has changed. Oh, that, that was 20 years ago. I'm sure they've <laughs> changed since then. Okay, that's really good. But yeah, I mean, that, was really, that was really old guy stuff. Um, young people saw things very differently. Um, at the time that was going on, um, the, the uh, students' conference was called Queer Collaborations. And young people were very um, big on embracing the word queer and diversity and didn't want to get trapped in by labels so much. Yeah. And, well, I guess those people are now uh, 20 years older and running things. <laughs> Which is good. Yes. But, I mean, it does show you back then the importance of categories to people. I think I'd wonder why categories are so important. Is it so you can find someone that you're looking for? Is is that why? It's to privilege your own status and, and then hoard whatever rights you've accumulated, I guess. Or, or maybe if, if a partner has left you for someone of uh, the other sex, then you hate all bisexuals for another, which is pretty silly because, you know, if your partner leaves you, well, maybe you're meant to be with someone else, but whatever, you can't blame all people of whatever sexuality or race. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I saw you shared something the other day about the Navajo in, in America and how, I mean, their, their conception of categories of gender has always been different to ours. And it sounds much more holistic and much more wonderful. I think my mind was blown when I read a piece by Anne Foss Sterling that was then called The Five Sexes and then she did one called The Nine Sexes. She's not saying there's five or nine categories, but she is saying if you are going to make categories even based on physical definitions, you need an odd number. You can't just do it with two. It has to be 
Uh, and I think she even worked out she couldn't just be three. It had to be five minimum or nine. Um, and then there, there are as many different combinations of sex characteristics as there are people in the world. You know, it's just like fingerprints. Everyone's unique. And what was specific about the, the Navajo um, conception of gender? Like, how did they explain it? Um, I didn't read the link. <laughs> oh, you didn't? It was so interesting. I, I have read a lot about about Native American practices with that are outside Western gender norms. Yeah. Okay. I, I found it really interesting because um, in the article it was kind of like um, the idea is that you know there's male and female and there's people who are two spirited who mm-hmm. have both a male and female spirit and there's lots of examples of people who you just go well you really are two two spirits in one body there is absolutely no one that we can preference here and I thought that was really nice. It was like the, the four genders for them. But then again, if you need an odd number, that doesn't work either. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out. But globally, we haven't really got it yet. <laughs> yeah, what about the hermaphrodites? Exactly. I mean, gender and sex overflows from all of these boxes. So maybe we should get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> why, why should it matter who's male, who's female, who's left-handed, who's right-handed, who's got Caucasian parents, who's got Asian parents? These things should be irrelevant. They shouldn't form part of our legal identity. Actually, we should speak about your legal identity next. But first, we have a song from They Might Be giants called me james Ensor, and so pretty it's a pretty short one so we'll we'll be back in just a second to talk about uh you getting all famous in the meantime let's meet james Ensor. meet james Ensor, belgium's famous painter dig him up and shake his hand appreciate the man before there were junk stores out of the box on FBI 94.5 my name is Ash Bertabez and Nori is my guest today Nori just brought in a track called Meet James Ensor and so you just met him uh, so who fleeting is nature of fame uh, yes <laughs> I mean it's not so fleeting for you you're still getting attention here you are on this show but uh, for James Ensor different story no? even he will live on in Wikipedia <laughs> since the song's <laughs> been written about him at the early part of the 21st century <laughs> so, so what was the story behind James Ensor if people didn't hear all the lyrics um, he was a painter who painted a painting called The Torments of Christ that was very popular for quite a time and, and then not so. <laughs> and the world forgot about him. Yes. Now, let's talk about your particular fame. When did you first rise to, uh, you know, the national consciousness? Uh, national consciousness. Well, when, when did big news bureaus start knocking on your door? 
<laughs> I did a current affair in Perth when I was 20 or so. Oh, that's right. You have fame preceding your fame. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about your first infamy. Now, there was a there was a fairly interesting story in Perth. Uh, yes, yeah, so the uh, current affairs was doing a promo for what was coming up the next week and they had some teenage transsexual prostitute in a park talking about how, how difficult her life was. My mother rung me up and said, look, um, you're a transsexual, you're a respectable public servant you're not a prostitute and you should call them up and show them that not all transsexuals are homeless people living in parks and so okay all right mum so I called a current affair and they came out and interviewed me and when the story went to air the next week they had the the young teenage uh, transsexual prostitute in the park and then they had a respectable civil servant with her own apartment me <laughs> touching away because my mum pushed me into it I blame you mum it's all your fault and you were well done you you were dressed so well and so conservatively you were the transsexual poster girl oh. Oh, with, with the I hate me blue eyeshadow. <laughs> <laughs> nice white court shoes. Oh my god, that is actually I I love that eyeshadow though. It is very very what is it like early 80s? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> so you became quite well known because of a court case that originally did it start in 2010 was that when it started? Um well, let me see. Um probably back then 2000 2008, 2007 and 8 was when the uh, Australian Human Rights Commission did their big report and came up with a recommendation that there be allowed to be a third category for sex um, of non-specific. That's what they decided it should be. So probably l maybe late 2009, I actually applied for that and was knocked back. Oh no! I uh, know. I applied for it. And I was granted it. They so you you won. You they, were... issued, they issued the certificate, um, and then we went public with it after a month. And then they said, "Oh, that must have been a mistake. Slip of the pen. Couldn't possibly have happened. Sorry, we just changed our whole computer system to extend the field capability for sex. Um, but no, it was just a slip of the pen." Um, <laughs> So then I had to fight them in court for a very long time and we went to the Supreme Court, which uh, agreed with me, but then granted them leave to appeal, but said they had to pay for that. Um, and then we went to the High Court, which totally agreed with me. So, um, and so that's I, I, I then had to sign a, uh, an email saying that half a million dollars was going to my lawyers. Wow. That was Did fun. you feel, is it the most power you ever felt? <laughs> that's, that's the most money I've signed <laughs> over with one stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. You know what? I can't even imagine. <laughs> Then let's go back to the 2010 debacle, I guess, because, I mean, obviously they've changed our computer system and they've made it so that you can be sex not specified on your birth certificate in mm -hmm. particular. And so but, but, why did that change? Why did they take it away? Uh, actually, was it sex not... I think we started with sex non-specified, then it was sex non-specific. Believe it or not, there's a huge difference. <laughs> what is the difference? Well, one is specific and one's not specific. One's specifically non-specific and the other one's not specified. As in I didn't tell you rather yeah, exactly, than I'm, I'm exactly. not. Exactly. So my or. sex has been specified. It's just specifically non-specific. Ah. Then 2010, that all happens. You are fighting for the next three years. Is that it? Um, like, do you have to Four actually... years. It was 2014 we won in the High Court. Yeah. So where do you find the energy to fight this kind of thing? Like, I, what keeps you going? I spend all my time doing it. I mean, <laughs> just a little, little flight out to Canberra every now and again. Um, <laughs> a flurry of media attention for a week. Uh, bits and pieces. Um, I spend a lot of college time with my cat and I read a lot of comic books and uh, the rerun of Doctor Who has sustained me a lot. <laughs> oh, sounds very therapeutic. But like, I mean, do you actually, because you seem to be always really just stoked and just easygoing and nothing gets you down and you're very high spirited, but you're kind of like... If I'm feeling crap, I'm not out of the house, lovey. <laughs> Sorry. You know what? That's probably the best advice you could ever give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're feeling crap, stay at home with the stuff that nurtures you. 
That's good. So you do, you do get the shits occasionally then? Yes. <laughs> All right. I guess it's really nice that you managed to put a really kind of happy, easygoing face to the world when you have to deal with all of this shit. Well, I'm out in the world. I've got a bubble machine happening. How can I not be smiling? How can everyone not be smiling? <laughs> I mean, that's the first That's the first time I became aware of you when I saw these bubbles and I was like, where are they coming from? I expected to see some kid like blowing them on the street and then you're going past on your bike and I was just like, that is the best thing ever. You've inspired me to pimp my bike. I'm looking at uh, doing something. And sometimes, something with- when, sometimes when I'm feeling crap, I'll go for a ride on the bubble bike because you just can't not smile when everyone's smiling in your direction because there's yeah. bubbles. <laughs> well, I was thinking it might be almost time for us to play something by a, uh, a Newtown band, a, a couple of locals. Cool. Snout cassette. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Exactly. And what is it about this song that you wanted, that made you want to bring it on the radio? I really love the lyrics and the way it's about being creative and not just being a zombie and, and not thinking that the be all and end all is just producing more people like yourselves, Um, which I guess it presses a button with me because back in the days when they were having debates about whether being gay could be legal, people were saying, well, the most important thing in life is to breed more children. And I was like, well, cockroaches breed. Surely humans should have higher standards than just making more copies of ourselves. And there's not a people shortage. All right, here we go. It's what you consider entertainment by Snell. Now to the box, FBI 94.5.
I've had Norrie in for the past hour on Out of the Box. My name's Ash Berdebez. And that, what you just heard then, was a local group called Snout Cassette. That's right. It feels good to say. Snout Cassette. And it was called What You Consider Entertainment. And so I wanted to ask you before we end our hour together, what's next for Norrie? Um, what am I doing? Um, I'm going in the Mardi Gras parade this year uh, as part of the Refugee Action Coalition's um, float, um, which is against you know the concentration camps that we've outsourced. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to be part of the, the Mardi Gras parade and you don't just want to do colour and movement and want to be part of something meaningful, think about uh, being part of our um, float uh, for refugees. Um, just Google Refugee Action Coalition. Or you can look at Nori's Facebook page, which is set to public. So today, post a little link to that event. I will indeed. Event. It'll, it'll you, be up front. Exactly. You can be part of it. But it makes me wonder, among all the glitz and glamour of the Mardi Gras, what are the decorations going to be like on a Refugee Action Coalition float? Oh, we'll probably have glittery bars. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you've got um, prison bars, there's lots of room for sparkly stuff. Um, razor wires, very glittery too. <laughs> that is dark and also fabulous. Oh God, I don't know what to think. Uh, well, I did a, a David Hicks float years ago where we we glammed up and all that sort of stuff. We were still made, you know, a serious political point. So Guantanamo chic. Yes. Interesting. All right. So if you if you do find uh, Nori's Facebook page, you'll find that their occupations are listed as uh, gender fairy at Ubiquitous, editorial cartoonist at South Sydney Herald, and bubble distribution at Around Town. And it's always so nice to see you around <laughs> town. We're, we're at the top of the hour, and we've got time for one last song. Who's it going to be? My mind's gone blank. Who's it? <laughs> it's Divine. Oh! Divine is now. I'm so beautiful. I'm so beautiful. And why did you want to bring on this track called I'm So Beautiful? Um, because I, lo- I love the assertiveness of this person that doesn't at all conform to gender st- normatives, asserting that they too are beautiful and we all are. Wondrous. Thank you so much for your time this past hour, Nora. I've really appreciated it. Thanks, Ash. Cheers. Shake it, 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 shake it